Hello, I'm Stephen Woodford. I'm Chief Executive Officer of the UK's Advertising Association. Now, throughout my career, I've had the chance to see the power our industry holds in driving positive social change. And it is this power that drove us at the Advertising Association, along with the IPA and ISBA, to launch in 2020 Ad Net Zero. It's an industry-wide initiative for advertising to reach net zero in the UK in advertising operations by the end of 2030. I'm delighted to be your host together with Seb Munden of this podcast series, where we'll be talking about the sustainability challenges and opportunities within the advertising industry's path to net zero. In these conversations with industry leaders, we'll discuss the five actions of the Ad Net Zero Action Plan, ranging from curbing emissions from production to using the advertising's power to support consumer behavior change and how businesses in our industry might achieve these. Now, the climate crisis is obviously a global problem and one that concerns us all and in which we all play a role in solving. We're very happy to welcome you into the AdNet Zero world and we hope that we can give you some ideas on how to join us on this journey and what your role is in it. Welcome to episode two of the AdNet Zero podcast series for Advertising Week New York. I'm absolutely delighted to welcome James Best and Conrad Scheck, uh, two colleagues of mine who've been very closely involved with not just the running of the program now and key aspects of that, but actually the whole thinking that went into the development of the AdNet Zero program through a climate action working group that, in fact, James chaired that we started in 2019. So we've been on this journey together uh, for almost three years now. So um, James, welcome to you. Perhaps say hello and just give a bit of background on yourself. Yeah, sure. Hi, Stephen. Um, well, I, I chair Kratos, which is uh, the advertising think tank, which looks across a lot of different advertising issues. And then, as Stephen said, um, I chaired the original working group that set up AdNet Zero, and I still chair the Action One Working Group, which is really, I think, what we're going to focus on today. Thank you, James. And Conrad, uh, you've made a huge contribution, particularly around Action One. Just uh, say a few words of introduction. Thanks, Stephen. So I'm Conrad, uh, Director of Policy Research at the Advertising Association, also with Kratos as well, working very closely with James on Action One. Um, I guess my main con contribution to Action One is designing this pe uh, data pipeline um, and, and doing the analysis of the data that we've been receiving from our AdNet Zero uh, supporters. So there's been a lot of effort in doing that and actually trying to uh, collect the data, standardize it in a, in a, uh, a format that everybody can uh, use and, and then benchmark the data um, or basically received by these various agencies and media and other parts of the industry. And we'll come on and talk about that a bit later on because this is such a key part of the program. So. This podcast episode is really to introduce you to Action One of the AdNet Zero Action Plan. And we call this about getting your getting your house in order. And just as a reminder, AdNet Zero is focused on advertising business operations. So it's the end-to-end -end of the advertising supply chain. So this action calls for agencies and for marketing services organizations to measure their carbon footprint data, to reduce those emissions as far as they possibly can, particularly by focusing on minimizing air travel and switching to renewable energy, and to only offset what cannot be reduced through carbon removal schemes. So um, let's just start really with uh, and bring our, our guests in to this. So James, start, just, let's start with 
I was just thinking about why is it important for everybody everywhere to get their own house in order? Why did we start with this uh, imperative to sort of start at home in a sense? Yeah, I mean, like charity, you're right. Carbon reduction starts at home as well. And I guess it's important for a number of reasons. First of all, it'd be very hard to influence others in the supply chain if your own business is not already well on the path to carbon reduction and you can't point to the changes and the work that you're doing. Secondly, embarking on that and getting down that path of reducing carbon clearly gives you a leadership position in the industry and we know that's attractive to clients and to other stakeholders. And thirdly, as well as the actual carbon that you're going to get rid of, there's a very positive aspect in motivating your people. And we've got a lot of case histories which suggest that the benefits of acting in the action one way are widespread. That's a really interesting point, because I think it's one of the ways that in a business uh, you're making tangible to the people in the business that actually you know, you have set some objectives as a business and you are, you know, holding yourself accountable for it. And, and it's also a way of engaging something. I can remember many years ago uh, at an agency I was working at, we set up a green team uh, and it was a fantastic galvanizing thing. It, 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 it seemed to get a huge engagement from across the business because people felt, well, we're, we're all in this. We can all make a difference in, in the choices we make um, and, you know, the, the decisions that, that, that we take on behalf of our clients and so on. And I think that's one of the exciting things about this. Uh, yeah, I think you know, agencies which have got stuck into this, and we've got a lot of cases now, have found that it isn't just a few people who care and a few people who are prepared to act. It may have only been a few who are brave enough to make that point early on. But in fact, right across the sort of people who work in our business, there is a real motivation to do what they can. And that starts by doing what they can in an environment that encourages action to reduce carbon. Mm. And Conrad, you're, you're saying that, well, you're, you're saying that in effect, the reporting of this coming through and, um, and, you know, this, this coming through in, in, in the data to give us, just give us some insights that you're getting from seeing, if you like, the experiences that those businesses are getting as they now report their data back into AdNet Zero. Sure. I was actually going to add an additional point to what James said, and that's it's really useful. I think the, the the big challenge about climate change, of course, you need to cut down your emissions, but it's also a, a data problem. And if you don't have a handle of what you're emitting, then you can't really set targets and then to cut that over time. So that's a really important thing. And I think the added benefit of having this program is that people can compare themselves, not necessarily exactly apples to apples comparison, but kind of close close enough and within your cohort, which gives you a sense of where you stand and how you're doing it against those targets. Because I think if you have your own carbon auditing, um, your own targets, it could be slightly lonely. You don't know whether this is good or bad or et cetera, et cetera. But at least with this program, you have some indication of how you're doing with uh, similar cohorts and, and, and your peers in that now what i found initially in collection this data is that i think um obviously i think that it creates a number of challenges because there's constant requests of data from all sorts of organizations particularly on, on agencies i think it was then trying to demonstrate that value and i think i think we've done that successfully i think what agencies have found from this process is that 
they've looked at it and you know we've asked questions or you know i think quite similar to others but in some areas uh we've asked questions where they've not actually collected data in those areas just yet so i always say to other supporters um not to view this as purely a data collection exercise but we'll also use it as a business transformation um uh, motivation that if you can't if you don't know uh the data for say for instance um particularly you know one challenge is actually working in the shared office uh and actually finding uh what your utility bills are if you don't have a means to accurately collect that then you know you need to use this time in between annual collection of data to think about that and how to collect this in a more efficient and more accurate way so comrade on that you you will have seen from the actual data coming back uh some of the challenges and some of the changes that people are making in the business just give us some insights from from the data that you're seeing so far sure I, I just wanted to add um some additional points to james's point now i think you know this data exercise is really important um you know climate change of course the challenge is about reducing emissions but it's also a data problem too in that you need to know what you're emitting to be able to set meaningful targets and then cut them over over time um but we've, what we've been uh, seeing from the the information that's coming through that I think people see value uh, in able to benchmark themselves with their within their cohort and within their peers so they kind of know exactly where they're heading and how they're doing on their on their targets and it can be I guess if you're engaging on this process by yourself it could be quite a lonely business um, and it's really helpful to, to give you that kind of motivation to think that if you're slightly behind the curve you need to do a bit more if you're a, a, you know uh, above the curve then then great you know you can continue and then you know that would motivate you to go even further um one other point which you know i um regularly talk to adnet zero members about is to really think about this exercise not only as a data collection exercise but also um using it as a motivation for business transformation um we've asked questions within our survey not which is basically giving some challenges in, in that um, it may have been data that they've not previously or historically collected before. And so the time in between annual collection of data, that should give businesses the motivation to then think about business processes, how to capture that information more accurately and more efficiently in the future. And just thinking about that, that's such a good point about, you know, it, that I think reflects the sort of profound nature of the change that actually this program does require. This is about really substantial change to business to reduce the emissions of those businesses in terms of how they operate. And James, perhaps you can just tell, to help contextualize that, you can give some examples of where the biggest areas of uh, carbon are involved in, in advertising's operations. You know, what, what are the areas that people need to address if they're coming to this new? Yeah, given, I mean, given the nature of the sort of service businesses in the advertising supply chain. So, you know, we're not talking about brand owners with all their massive resource needs, or even at this stage, media owners, focusing really on, on agencies and other marketing services companies. The nature of the emissions really come down to two that matter. One is travel, and the other is the energy that your office and your work consumes. And travel in 2019 or the years up to that when we did an estimate of the uk industry's overall 
emissions. Travel was about 60% business travel, that is, excluding commuting at that stage. Energy was about 40%. And the total per capita for somebody in an ad agency was about three and a half tonnes carbon dioxide equivalent. 2020, surprise, surprise, COVID effect led to a big decline, 1.9 tonnes of CO2 equivalent per capita, because people, as we know, were not traveling, and a lot of them weren't really using their offices. So we now need to get a good handle on the working from home aspect of energy consumption, because if people aren't working from offices, they're still working, and they're still consuming energy when they're at home. But those are the two big ones. And that's such an interesting sort of headline number, in a sense, is the, is the steep decline that we saw through just the lack of travel. And that I think we also saw in the data, and, and perhaps Conrad, you could elaborate on this, because the, the, you know, travel is a very broad category. You know, obviously, business travel um, very much driven, but I think, by the amount of flying that's involved. Um, so maybe, maybe Conrad, a, a little bit more about travel and the components of travel. Yeah, so the main things that we capture um, is data around flights, um, use of cars, public transport, um, because using all these things, it, it does have an emission cost. And honestly, the most efficient, uh, the least environmental cost is using public transport. But what we found is that um, there's a huge kind of air flight component to a lot of agency business. I mean, this is quite typical for um, and, and it's quite common when you see um, agency business. If you think about how business was uh, done before pandemic, there was a lot of flying, fly out type of meetings. I think as a result of the pandemic, what we've seen is a lot of behavioral change where we can do things online and you know, potentially have a Zoom meeting, um, uh, which can, you know, can replace some of those meetings, not necessarily all meetings, but at least a, a good proportion of that. So that's heading in a good direction. And I think... We've seen also, uh, we've heard from from some of the adnets or supporters, um, it, people are implementing internal policies where they're setting a, a certain time limit before um, the availability of uh, selecting, say, premium economy or business flights are available. So within a certain time radius, um, there's more and more people are opting, you know, to go for an economy flight, which of course is uh, much more economical in terms of carbon emissions. So, James, just a little bit more about flying per se uh, and the differences that, for those who don't know, between, say, a business class flight and, and an economy flight. It's, it's a surprisingly big difference. It's about three to one, the uh, consumption if you turn left and if you turn right. And um, in fact, a single transatlantic return trip, London, New York, if you go business, it's about 3.4 tonnes, which just happens to be about the same as the total average annual carbon emissions of an employee working in an agency. So those few who get on and off the planes and who turn left when they do so are frankly using up an enormous proportion or generating, I should say, an enormous proportion of what the agency world's emissions will total. And so, our, you know, number one, kind of action plea is stay off the planes, use Zoom. There you go. And well and if you do need to fly because you know you do need to people meet people face to face, uh, 
you know, every so often, you know, turn right, don't turn left, uh, and, and put up with it. Or you can do what we did. The AA delegation that went to Cannes this summer uh, took the train from London down to Cannes, and it took uh, actually about an hour longer than it would have done with all the transfers and inevitable delays and so on. And I think it had a 20th of the carbon footprint. 20th? Been, yeah, that's than had we Had we flown. Uh, the French railways, hyper-efficient. The French grid, very, very sustainable. So, you know, uh, T, uh, yes, uh, SNCF is a very, very good way to travel if you want to reduce carbon. Um, but I think that the, the, the bigger point there, I think, is also that, that, and we saw this not just in the ad industry, but if you look at other business services, like consulting and accountancy, and other, it's a small number of more senior people flying a lot that are accountable for a big part of the footprint of the business. So actually it's, it's you know, a, a small number of people, if they halve their flights or, or reduce their flights by two thirds, that has a, you know, a disproportionate effect, I think, on the overall footprint of the business. And um, many people, to be, to be fair, a lot of agencies, or at least those putting their names forward for the Admet Zero Awards that we're judging at the moment, can demonstrate some pretty radical um, cuts in exactly that, in those people traveling and the impact that it's had on their total agency, um, mm. carbon emissions is impressive. Yeah. So I think we've talked about travel uh, and there's some very clear and I think relatively easy wins. And we're now in a very different world where certainly the people I've spoken to used to be, you know, habitual, frequent flyers who, you know, ultimately probably spent too, way too much of their time up in the air and in airports and going to and fro all say i've had this numerous times from people in advertisers agencies from across the board they have higher quality interactions with their either their clients or their colleagues more frequently than they ever did before uh, and they're flying way way less so this is a you know potentially one of the big positives that have come out of this enormous shift that we've seen in the way that we all live and work now but can we just talk also about the other big part of the footprint which is the energy um that your business uses. And Conrad, perhaps reflect on that because you've been looking again in detail at, at that. And obviously the opportunities for reducing that can be limited depending on the sort of tenancy you've got and the sort of space you're occupying. Yeah, I, I, I do see um, a number of companies which are using renewable sources, which is great. So that means um, you know zero emissions. Uh, there are still some uh, companies which are drawing directly from the grid. Um, if you're drawing directly from the grid uh, and not from renewable sources, then uh, you, it's very difficult to control where that electricity is, is generated and where it comes from. And so the assumption is it, it just basically follows the national uh, mix of um, energy production. That, and, and that can actually come from um, oil and, and gas and, and other kind of high uh, carbon emitting fuel sources. But I think there's a general interest that if you are in control of your supplier. Um, there is a big push I see from many companies um, going for renewable sources. Um, and that can that can have a huge impact. There are some other companies which have slightly different business models, um, which makes it slightly harder to go completely but um, towards that. But I think, you know, with the advent of new technologies, um, heat pumps and things like that, that you know, potentially we could find additional savings across the industry. 
I think it's one of the things that, and again, thinking about the US audience for this, obviously state by state and even within states, there's going to be different energy grids and, and uh, you know, utilities are, are, are much more decentralized. But you know, we're seeing you know, that the, the, the general progress is towards more renewable sources. The whole current energy spike will hasten that. Um, you know, the, the bill that's just passed in, in the US for is going to see massive investment in sustainable energy uh, grids and generation. So there's a, you know big steps forward happening uh, both both sides of the Atlantic on this, and I think this is where pressure from businesses really helps. If if you are a you know a tenant in a multi-occupier building, you know getting together with other tenants to 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 push the landlord to to you know where possible buy sustainable energy. In the, in the UK, you can switch pretty easily if you've got control of the of the input. You know that, that you can switch quite easily for pretty much the same money to a sustainable energy supplier. It'll vary in other in other countries and other parts of the world, but you know, the direction of travel is absolutely one where we want the pressure to be on for this. Uh, I I think also if you have the real estate and have control or access to the building, actually installing solar panels to add to that mix can you know have a huge impact not only on your emissions but you know potentially your bottom line actually reducing um, yeah. the amount of electricity you're buying from the grid. So just thinking now about uh, we've talked we've got we've got a number of businesses now measuring as part of the AdNet Zero program. So I think Conrad of our hundred or so members in the UK, we're getting data now from just just remind us well remind us of the progress year one and we're now in year two of this data collection. So yeah, so the first one we, um, we we basically collected data and we tried to do some estimation to extrapolate. So what we estimated um, was the industry was emitting around 7,476 tonnes of carbon dioxide equivalent. Um, so just to put that into perspective... This is from the about, zero. This is just from our members. From the members uh, yeah, but, yeah, so these numbers uh, came from our supporters and then we did some additional analysis to try to extrapolate it for the, the wider industry. Um, so that number, I mean, what it means... Um, if you want to put it to perspective uh, and give it some context, I mean, that's the equivalent of greenhouse emissions from 1,626 passenger vehicles driven for an entire year or 18.8 million miles driven by an average passenger car. Or uh, if you want to put it another way, uh, the carbon dioxide emissions from consuming 841,000 gallons of petrol. So um, we did some calculations. You, you, probably need something like 9,160 acres of forest to sequester that amount of CO2 in one year. So that's equivalent to about 5,000 football pitches worth of forest. So that's, so that's some based on our first year's worth of numbers. So we've now managed to grow the number of companies we're collecting data from, and we're, we're planning to actually publish this, aren't we, in the, uh, at the AdNet Zero Global Summit in November to start actually putting some of this data into the public domain. So we're measuring and reporting our progress year on year. That's correct. I think it was probably a little bit too premature to publish the first year. I think having at least two years worth of data makes it a little bit more meaningful uh, yeah. to look at that and you know, potentially have a look at the progress. We do have to bear in mind that uh, last year report, although it was an internal one, that was actually reporting on the pandemic year. So there was a lot less flights in that. Mm. Um, and not to kind of make excuses, I assume there will be a bit more flights uh, in the 2021 data, which we'll be reporting this year. So yeah. I expect this figure will probably be 
higher than than our first year of this exercise. And and James, within the working group that you're chairing on this, I mean, you, you've been you've been you know with the sustainability leads and and others from from our very, from our member companies. So you've been really working through the you know the the the, the process of collecting this data and. And quite a few of the companies uh, are really just starting this journey. Some have been doing it for longer, but I think around about half the cohort were just starting out, really, weren't they? Yes. Um, given that these are self-selected leading companies in many ways, it's surprising how many had not started that process of measurement that Conrad drew attention to. And if you're not measuring what you're doing, you can't manage it. We know that from all spheres of the advertising business and measuring, you know, is step one and it's not that difficult. And frankly, every company has to do it. Everyone's clients are having to do it. Bigger companies are having to report in great detail, increasingly to their shareholders and and others. And the expectation of their suppliers, i.e. us in the agency related world is to do the same. So, those who haven't really got onto it are really going to miss the bus because they're not going to be able to demonstrate that they are taking the sort of actions which clients and others are going to expect. But all the big groups are, of course, doing that, and that's working its way down through all of the smaller companies, independents and others right across the industry. So I'd be very surprised if there are many companies who have not started at least on this process and there are many that we know who are quite a long way down it and have really taken some pretty significant actions and, the, and the, in a way the measurement is is you know this is the baseline isn't it where you, you know, you're measuring your own emissions as a business you're getting your own house in order uh, and then it's important that it's not just about measuring it's also about and that perhaps james say 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 a bit about setting targets and and what we're yeah. ask, asking people to think about in terms of their the roadmap for years ahead. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you measure it so you know where you're starting from. You've, you've got a, a benchmark. You know what areas to address because they're the evident priorities and you can start to take action on them. And what we find with companies on the working group is that I think something you mentioned earlier, a green team is often a very good way to organize things so that you have a cross-disciplinary kind of multi-level group of people who are themselves probably pretty motivated and themselves have probably got a little bit of understanding in this and they can get a lot more from the ad net zero resources as well as many other resources out there in the world which offer help to look at the different aspects of the business and pursue the sort of policies which can make a difference in those so we talked a bit about travel we've talked a bit about energy negotiating with landlords and getting others together onto that Um, There are those aspects of commuting where companies are helping their employees so that they can uh, stay home, work from home more flexibly. For instance, there's taking action on your couriers, your cabs, your other suppliers whom you're responsible for, really, and choosing those who can offer greener alternatives to the ones that you may have used. Um, There's education and training for people. There's the whole waste management aspect. And although these are all in a way smaller things, they all add up. And they're all things that people can get stuck into, can see happening around them, can feel a collective buzz of positive action from, and really can help to make the difference. 
and it is and I, and I think it's that's it's such a you know it's, i suppose this is this is the human nature thing is you want you want the, the small nudges as well as the big you know things that are behind the scenes you know somebody in a in a in a business is not necessarily going to know who their energy supplier is but if you've told them that you've switched to a sustainable energy supplier that's going to make them feel better about every aspect of 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 their interaction with the business but also if they see in the I don't know, in the in in the kitchens in the communal areas, you know, the ability to recycle, you know, the the, the stuff that they consume, and you know that that they're I don't know, buying fair trade coffee or whatever it happens to be. All of these little things all add up, you know, yeah. to to you know, companies have got enormous buying power, and they can use that buying power to encourage other businesses that supply them to be moving on the same journey. And it is this sort of interconnectedness. Uh, our industry, like many others, is hugely interconnected with all of our suppliers and then all the companies that, that the industry serves. That's that, very true. And, sorry. I'm going to say we've got examples of companies who, agencies that is on the whole, media, creative, whichever, who are running seminars for their suppliers to demonstrate to them what can be done on the basis of what they've done themselves and encourage them to act, passing those good principles and good policies down the supply chain as an element of what they're going to be prepared to, um, to to buy. We've got examples of where companies are helping their own people to switch to renewable supply for their domestic energy, cutting them in on the same deals, for instance, that the company itself has got, and thus helping them to save money when they switch. So there are, you know, there's a list as long as your arm of the practical things that companies, and not only big ones, can do to make, as I say, the difference that's needed. Mm-hmm. And Conrad, any any other examples of best practice that you're picking up from the data and all the interactions you're having with the Adnet Zero members in the UK? Yeah, so um, just going back to the point about targets, I mean, the easiest way to set an internal target is um, obviously you start from the first year which you're recording data and then drawing a straight line all the way to zero for 2030 and using that as the the guideline to then guide uh, progress on that. Obviously, you're going over, then you need to, to correct that somehow. But hopefully, over time, that will move things further and further down there. Um, in terms of other uh, best practice, um, and just referring to one of the answer I gave previously about when we were asking uh, questions or requesting data for areas which some companies had historically not been getting sufficient detail, one thing we've we've noticed and, and heard from some of the uh, Adnet Zero supporters is that they've actually introduced new technology to capture this information. So, for instance, new expense recording um, uh, software, which can collect all this information a lot easier. So these things there, which you know help collect that data and uh, enable them to monitor that. Um, is slowly being introduced, and um, I, I think these are all really, really positive changes. I'm just thinking now as we come to the end of this this discussion uh, about advice to, I mean, we're obviously focused on Advertising Week New York. We're focused on launching AdNet Zero in the US. So there will be hopefully a, a, a similar sort of cohort of businesses from across the advertising ecosystem. If they're not already on the journey, setting out on this journey, what, in terms of coming back to this, getting our own house in order, what would be from each of you, what, what what would be your 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 advice to a, a company or a green team in a, in one of the companies setting out on this journey? 
So James, maybe from what you've learned, what would be your advice to, to people starting on this journey? Well, like everything else, it starts with communication and commitment. Start again. <laughs> like everything else, it starts with commitment and communication. And when I say commitment, that has got to be genuine and from the top. And again, it's interesting to see those organizations which have changed the most have got leaders who are intent on driving that change as a really high priority for their business as a whole. Do they see the business benefits as well as wanting to achieve the sustainability and environmental benefits? So it needs to come from the top in terms of initiative and, and support for those and as I say, those many rather than those few within our sorts of companies who want to get stuck in and engage. So commit to a net zero target, as Conrad has said, that can be over the years looking towards 2030 in that net zero's case. SBTs, do you think we ought to talk about aside? Should we talk about SBTs, by the way? Yes, I think we yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll get back to Conrad on that one. Um, commit to targets, as Conrad said, with 2030 in mind as ad net zero's specific goal. Work out the plan over time to reach that. Engage people, I say probably through green teams. Give resource and responsibility to those people so that they can start to take action and inspire others and educate others. And it's a process which is never going to end in a way because it's very hard to drive all carbon out of a business. And as one does so, you find business practices changing. You find possibly your client mix changing. You find your supplier mix changing. So this has significant implications for how your business will look in the years to come but they're not only necessary, but they are desirable and they are welcomed up and down the supply chain. And let's just finish by just also thinking about the targets here, because, you know, there are, Conrad mentioned the sort of straight line, but there are external sort of uh, target setting organisations that, that, uh, that people can refer to. So perhaps, Conrad, if you talk about science-based targets and their role. Yeah, so... Um, Science-based targets is, is one particular program um, which is publicly available. Um, and essentially what it does is it places the onus on a company to come up with a plan and set of targets. And then that's assessed by the science-based targets body to see whether that's backed up by the science and whether it's practical and realistic. Um, and then you're effectively held against that target. So it, it's a, a great way to show commitment in this space I mean, there are other uh, standard setting bodies like B Corp and things like that. And I think, you know, when I think about, say, Adnet Zero and all these things, initiatives out there, if you really are serious about climate change, I think all these things can seem very, very onerous. But my advice would be just to go and embrace it. Of course, when anything new, there's a bit of a learning curve. But I think it's not as onerous as people might think it is or how it may come up initially. Um once we get into that behavioural change of just collecting information as part of our doing business, this becomes a lot easier. Um, and, you know, I think it's just a case of trying to do it sooner rather than pushing it back in, into long grass. So, 
So Conrad makes an incredibly important point about uh, the sooner the better on this, and, and this is absolutely the imperative for net Zero. The sooner we all start to collectively act to reduce the emissions from advertising operations, uh, the better it will be for our industry, for the people in our industry, for our customers, our suppliers, and of course, for the planet as a whole. Um, to help in that process, uh, we have prepared something called the AdNet Zero Essentials Guide, which is a step-by-step -step, uh, sort of guide to the five actions, but also really a, a distillation of all the learning we've had a lot over the last three years in developing and implementing this program. Um, please get in touch with us if you want more information. Uh, we're really looking forward to the collaboration with our, our partners uh, in the US as we launch in 2023. And uh, thank you very much for listening and uh, look forward to hearing from you all. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of AdNet Zero, making every ad a green ad. We hope you found today's session inspiring and helpful. If you want to join us on our path to Net Zero, make sure to check out adnetzero.com, a website giving you further resources and training, as well as information on how to become a supporter.